Good morning. Now, you say it in Japanese. Right, I'm going to teach you and I want a response. Um, say ki ora. Ki ora. All say that. Ki ora. Some of you didn't say it. Ki ora. Nice and loud. Now, that makes me feel like a New Zealander because that's a Maori language. Uh, it's a greeting and uh, it's very important. So, ki ora. Now, I'm going to talk about something that I want to encourage you with. Who wants to be encouraged this morning? That's two of you. Right, well, the, re <laughs> the rest of you can listen as well. Now, my message, the title of my message is Living with Real Purpose. And I've deliberately done it because we all need a purpose in our life, don't we? The reality, without it, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Uh, we all have purposes. Now, what's your purpose? It could be your work. It could be your sport. Or it could be doing something crazy like, say, climbing Mount Fuji in the winter. But we all have purpose. But what I want you to do is to think this morning just how important your purpose is. What actually does it do for us? Now, we all have purpose, but does our purpose only benefit ourselves? And I'm going to give you an example. It was the 14th of August in 1974. There was a crazy Frenchman called Carl Petit. Now, his purpose in life was to put a hard wire between two high points and with a balancing pole, walk on that wire. And on that particular day, he managed to get a wire between the Twin Towers in New York that no longer exists, sadly. But he got up and in the morning, people looked up and over, I guess it was 250 metres roughly above the ground, here he was balancing, walking, he even lay down and he danced on that wire. Now, the interesting thing is that the police wouldn't go out on that wire and arrest him, but he did get there. And the question I ask is, and it's an important one, who benefited from his purpose in life? Now, the reality is no one did. He did. He got fame. He got his name in the paper. But that was the end of it. And I want to ask this morning, I want to encourage you here to think, if you're a Christian, what really is your benefit and your purpose uh, in life? Um, and I'm going to say, do you want to discover real purpose? And I think most of us do. To become a powerful, Christ-centered person. Now, I've heard Ron encouraging you to get out there and to win people because you see, we live in a world where very few people actually go to church. Here it's only about, I think it's under 1%. New Zealand, it's about 3%. We used to call ourselves a Christian country. But you see, you and I, we have a choice every day to live with real purpose or simply a purpose that suits ourselves. Real purpose, I believe, is God-honoring. It encourages, and we're going to talk about this. It gives us a real sense of purpose, and I think we all want that. We all want our lives to reflect that. But let me warn you at this point, having a real purpose, particularly if it's God-centered, is going to cost you. It's going to take courage. It's going to take determination. And so I went to Scripture to find stories of ordinary people. Now, most of us, all of us, are actually only ordinary people perhaps a high up person like the Prime Minister or the Queen, you know, we accept that they are, but most of us lead ordinary lives. And so I wanted stories 
to encourage us about ordinary people. Whether you're a senior who's perhaps retired, and anybody over 60 in my country is a senior, <laughs> or maybe young people. And I'm pleased that here we've got young people because I want to talk to you as well. I want to really encourage you in your life. Now, there's stories in the Bible about ordinary people, and we find them in Genesis, Esther, and Acts. And I discovered a very important truth. God loves to use ordinary people, just like you and I, just living our lives. And with purpose, but we discover our real purpose and when we're challenged and we listen to what God is asking us to do and we respond positively, and we'll talk about this soon, when he asked us to be involved and we do things that, unlike Carl Pettit, actually become lasting. Now, we leave a legacy through our faith and Carl Pettit didn't, but we can. And I tell you what, you and I would grow up and wake up every day with an incredible sense of purpose. And I think that's important to each one of us. You see, God wants you and I to do amazing things. And we're going to discover that. My first story is about a 75-year-old. Now, most 75-year-olds or 80-year-olds, perhaps I know someone who is, um, want to take it quietly. <laughs> We've retired. We have stopped. In fact... This farmer, his daily purpose was good, just to run his farm, and he obviously did well. His background was simple, his relatives, that that honoured God. And again, he lived in the time when very few people, like we do today, actually honour God with their lives. And so, when we read in Genesis 4, 1-4, now let's say, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you, and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. In you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Wow, what a hard thing he asked Abram to do. Abraham came out of nowhere. And he said, hey, sell your land, go and say goodbye to your father, and then get on your horse and go on a journey, but I'm not telling you where you're going. That takes incredible faith. That takes faith that you and I, if you're asked to do that, would have to think about it. I wonder what he did. But we see that he chose, and this is what I want you to understand, chose to obey what God was leading him. How did God talk to him? We don't know. Later on, we'll discuss this. But you see, as I said before, when God asks to do something, I guarantee it will often be incredibly hard. But you see, he chose, he listened, he got on and he took everything and he traveled roughly about 1,800 kilometers from where he lived right down to Egypt. That's a big ask for a 75-year-old, but he did it. But what a blessing. It's promised up there that God would bless him. Now that blessing started then, he didn't have a family, later on he did, and we know if you read through his story, he was the father of a generation. You see, God was incredibly sad that the world didn't love him, didn't respond to him, he couldn't give them anything. And so he set up a nation through Abraham, which who later on became Abraham, to bless. That blessing means today you're sitting in a church 
with a faith because of his actions 4,000 years ago. What a legacy. He discovered real purpose. He was a man. He had his farm, but God gave him real purpose. But you see, the key thing, and listen to this, he chose because he wanted to. He was asked by God. God said, hey, here's an option. You choose. And that's something that we all need to learn and listen. Now, why do we have to learn and listen? Because if we choose to listen and obey now, I want you to listen very carefully to this. This is important. Get it into your spirit. To speak or pray or encourage someone in their life who is not a Christian or a follower in Jesus actually requires courage. And it could be like Abraham. You imagine if you took your relatives and somehow you encouraged them into faith. And many of you have been encouraged into your faith because of someone else. But your blessing could go on way beyond when you pass away from this life. It could be like Abraham's. It could be a generational thing. You imagine if you could look to the future and think, because of my faith, it goes on and on and on. And I think that's so important. And I'm just talking to the old people because us oldies like to take it quieter. We have been stood down from our work or we've had to leave our work. Maybe health hasn't been so good. But what an opportunity we have. We could pray. We can go and visit. We can care for people. Now, let me give you an example. I had a, a wonderful old lady. She was probably 85. She was in my second church. I used to go around and have coffee with her and be encouraged. Why? She had to walk with a walking frame. But she chose to listen to God and become an encourager like you and I can. So she started a Bible study and she lived in a retirement village that we have over there. What a blessing she was. And I would go and I would sit and listen because I was inspired by her. I thought, man, when I'm old, let me do it. You see, effectively, you've got to say, I want my life to have real purpose. I want my purpose to bless God and to encourage others if we lose and choose to obey. So seniors, don't be discouraged because the rest of the world might say, hey, you're old. You're never, ever too old. Moses was 80 when he began to lead the people. Age is nothing. He doesn't care about age. We do, but he doesn't. And he could use you to the end of your life. The next group I want to talk to, and listen to young, in my country you see the young people in church, they have their cell phones out. So turn your cell phones off and listen. You know? Okay. There was a young woman. She was beautiful. And the Bible says that she won a beauty contest. And what was her purpose in life? All right. She became the queen of a king who had sacked his wife because she didn't listen to him. And we read that in Esther that when the king took her on, all she had to do was to get beautiful treatment, lots of care. She became more and more beautiful. And that was her purpose, simply to be a beautiful person. Who would like that if you're a young woman? You know, if no one else cared except, hey, be beautiful. And I think that's so important. But she had to find her real purpose. And this is what we discovered. So Esther went into the palace. She had an uncle. Now, the other thing, Esther was a Jew. Now, she was living in a land called Persia. 
a vast kingdom that went from Egypt all the way across to India. And she was there in exile. Her people were taken in, in the exile into that land. So here she was living. But God had some plans for her, same as he's got plans for you and I, if we listen. What was the plans? Fair enough. Uh, she had an uncle, Mordecai, who, who lived outside the palace. He couldn't go in there. And they also had a, a very arrogant advisor whose name was Haman. Now, Haman... He expected, when he walked along, for everyone to bow down. What an arrogant toad he was, you know. You bow down to me. But this Jewish uncle, Mordecai, he refused. He stood when he was meant to bow down. So Haman, he said, right, I'll kill him. I'll get rid of him. Then he discovered that he was Jewish. He said, now, I will destroy the whole jolly lot right through my kingdom. Huge number. And so... He went to the king, and the king, then there was a law called the law of the Medes and Persians. If the king made a law, it stuck. You couldn't change it. And so he went, and the king said, yep, on a certain day, certain time, round up all the Jews and get rid of them. Now, Haman, he was delighted. He thought this was marvelous. But listen, the serious part that God wasn't. In fact, God was very upset. He didn't want his whole people destroyed. And so, now, this is the important part. How was he going to solve the problem? Who did he use? Oh, let's get someone old and wise. No, he got this beautiful young woman. And this is what I want to say. You are able, as a young person, to do amazing things for God. Don't ever let your age and say, hey, I'm not experienced. I'm not able to do this. God will take you and use you. And I guarantee you there are people here that he's already done. So, here we were. It was going on. There was a problem. So Uncle Mordecai, now this is how God speaks to us sometimes. doesn't speak directly like he did to Abram. He actually spoke to Mordecai, Uncle Mordecai, who then went to a servant in the palace and said, pass this message on. The servant passed it on to Esther. The message was, do something. Save your people. You're the queen. Now, it sounds easy, but the law of the land was that if anyone, even the queen, went to see the king or the ruler, uninvited, he could say, off with your head. That was the rules. That was the law. And so what was her response? Hey, this is too dangerous. No way am I going to go and, oh, I like my neck. I like putting my jewellery around it. <laughs> the reality is that she faced incredible problems to go and work what God wanted her to do. And I think that's something that you and I can learn from. Because, you see, in Esther 4.14, basically, Uncle Mordecai said, for such a time, now listen to this, for such a time as this, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place if you don't do it, but you and your father's house will perish. But, you know, the reality, what he was saying, is that you have an opportunity for such a time. Ask yourself today, why are you living in this generation? Because each one of us, for such a time as this, God has put you here. Not a mistake. He planned before time that you would be here. Why? Because he wants you to be like Esther, to be able to do something that will actually count to save lives. So she went ahead and she did something that I recommend that you do it. She said, hey, I don't want to die, but I will get God's help. 
So she got her friends, her uncle, to pray. She sent a message, pray for me, fast for me. In other words, take this seriously. Support me, the greatest source of help that you and I could ever have. I guarantee in this church, if you came and you said to Pastor Ron, hey, I want to go and speak to my old relative who could cause me huge problems. I guarantee if you prayed and fasted as a church, my last church, we used to pray and fast for one whole week in February, which was our summer. And the blessings that came from that, because we as a church committed ourselves. So the end of the day, you get someone, if you are really wanting to do something serious for God, but you know it could be very dangerous, you could lose workmates. Remember I said there was a cost. You could lose family members. But what a blessing you could be. If you, like Esther, said, hey, this is dangerous, but I'm going to get my power, my encouragement from the right source. Get the people around you. When you pray, encourage them as a people to pray for the tough situations. And we know that what happened, the end of that, Esther had incredible wisdom. So she had a party in the afternoon. She said, come for afternoon tea. We know that at the end of it, that Haman came. He was invited. So the second day... The king went out, Haman got on his knees. He knew he was in trouble. And the king came back and he was so angry that he said, right, Haman, you've got to die. So he hung him on this massive great scaffolding that he originally had planned to put Mordecai on. Now, what was the blessing in that story? What can you learn from that today? You see, you will be in tight situations where you don't want to actually encourage your friends you don't want to say anything. You don't want to pray for them if the opportunity came up. But Esther discovered her real purpose wasn't just to look beautiful, but was actually to save a nation. I love the fact that God used young people to do that. He will use young people here to do stuff that you don't even think is possible. Have the courage to actually step out. Now, you see, one of the things that you and I have to understand is that God takes us all. We don't have to be qualified. We don't have to be scriptural giants. We just have to have this faith that God will work with us. We have to get the support and the encouragement. And I tell you what, this church could boom because people will be attracted. You could help save a nation, even you if you're a young person. So how are you going in life? How are you going in such a time as this? as that verse said up there. Now I want to then now, the third part is to speak to all of us. And I want you to again, listen very carefully. It's so important. Two ordinary men, Peter and John, doing ordinary stuff in life. And they left and they went their home and they went to the temple to pray. You notice they were Christians and yet they were still sticking with what was the traditional way of running the Jewish faith. That's important. Just because you become a Christian, don't isolate yourself from the world around you. Your biggest influence could be because you go and fit in. In fact, I've always maintained that we should have non-Christian friends because they will watch you. They'll listen to you. You may never preach for them or to them, but you're there as an influence. And these two men, they went down. And then this is the interesting part. It's another battle of the mind going on. You see, God spoke through the Holy Spirit to Peter. He said, there's a guy there who's been there for years. What are you going to do about it? 
Now, I guarantee Peter had incredible arguments. Well, hey, I don't want to go to him because I don't want to be made a fool of in front of everybody. I don't want to disappoint this man if I offer to hold him up. But somehow the Holy Spirit, and this is often the argument we have, I'm too scared to do this. I don't want to go and meet my friends and if they need prayer. I mean, you've prayed for people this morning in the safety of this place. I remember once I had a neighbour who came who wasn't well, and as he was going out, he wasn't a Christian, I had this thought, oh, pray for him. And I thought, you're joking, you know, I don't really know him that well. But I said, can I pray for you? Mm. What a difference that made. Mm. That's the courage that you and I have to have. I think the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, do this. He'll do the same to you. But can we, like Peter, have an argument with God and say, oh, no, I don't want to be embarrassed. But anyway, we know that he did. The question is, who got the blessing? Who got the blessing? This is an important question for you and I to ask because if we do stuff like this for God, sure, we're going to get an incredible thrill. But at the same time, God or Jesus Christ's name is lifted high like it was in that community. And remember that Jesus had been crucified by the same crowd. They didn't like him. And yet they saw a miracle happening. And their lives were changed. I guarantee that drew a lot of people into faith. Imagine the life that you could be leading where oh, I'm just doing my own thing. My purpose is for me. And God touches you with the Holy Spirit and says, hey, why don't you pray for that person? Why don't you just say something encouraging to them? And at the end of the day, what a blessing. What a long-term blessing that could be. People didn't mock. People didn't laugh at them. What a reaction. Imagine how powerful your life can. That's what I'm wanting to encourage you with this morning. Your life could be an incredible blessing. You see, you can choose. Abram had to choose an incredibly dangerous journey, but what a blessing. Esther had to choose whether she lost her neck or not, but what a blessing. Peter had to choose, should I lift this guy to his feet? But you notice he did it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that today I'm standing amongst the most powerful people that exist on this planet. You might say, come on, settle down. The truth is that you are incredibly powerful. See yourself as a powerful person because you have the Holy Spirit who the Bible tells us teaches us, leads us, encourages us, gives us wisdom. And he'll growl at us occasionally. He growls at me all the time because I do stupid <laughs> stuff. But he brings us back into a place of relationship. He heals us. He encourages us. And he's like the toolbox that we have as Christians. Without it, we would struggle. With it, you are the most powerful people that walk on the face of this planet. <laughs> Esther was powerful. Abraham became powerful. Put your name there and say, hey, now I'd like you to turn to your neighbour and say, hey, you're a powerful person because you're a Christian. You see, that's the most powerful thing that we can learn from these stories. But let me warn you, will it be easy? No, it won't be. Was it easy for Peter? Was it easy for Abraham? Was it easy for Esther? Who achieved an amazing stuff, ordinary people achieving stuff for God. And yet he did it. He loves to use you and I as ordinary people. I'm going to finish with a little testimony.
just to show that this is not just all out of the Bible and bit airy fairy. <laughs> this is actually reality. I was a, well, I'll call a successful high school teacher for 25 years. I also used to build properties as well. And I had a beautiful home on the edge of a lake. I had a boat. I had two kids who were going off to varsity. I had a very successful, happy in life. I was involved in community boards. I had a great life. And you know, how did God speak to me? He simply asked me a question. He said, are you satisfied? I had that question come to my head. I didn't know it was God. I said, yeah, too right I am. I've worked very, very hard for nearly 40 years. And then a couple of weeks later, I got the same question in my head. And I thought, why am I getting these questions? Then the third time it happened, I realized that God was actually asking me a question because no one else would. And he asked you and I, are we satisfied with our way of life? I'd been successful. I was very happy. But I was being challenged to trust God, the same as Abraham, Esther, Peter, and you. And we get these challenges and we have to answer them. I said, yeah, God, if you're asking me to do something different, I'm willing. Now, was there a cost? Yes, it was. I lost this beautiful home. My income went from, well, I had a big income. Both Lynn and I worked in education. And my money dropped right down to about, I'd say, probably I ended up just a few thousand dollars instead of many thousands of dollars. But the ironical thing was, was that we began to see, I, had to, I left teaching, we took over management of a camping and Christian convention centre, then I went off to Bible College, then we went in their staff, and then I went into full-time Baptist pastoral ministry. But you know, my first church only had 16 people. It was about to close. I said, I'll take it on. I'll run a building business and help support myself. That church grew and grew and grew, and we actually closed the building in three years because we ran out of room. And it wasn't a building much bigger than this. We amalgamated with another church that was having struggles. It grew and grew and grew. I learned and discovered, and I want you to understand this, I discovered that when God speaks to us, I had to argue with God. Yeah, I, you know, I like my lifestyle, but was I prepared to trust him for him to lead me? And we both agreed, yes, this is the right thing to do. Now, I've had since 1997 the most amazing lifestyle. Have I lost anything? Yeah, I've lost lots of lots of money. I've lost a beautiful home. I've lost lots of things. But what joy, what contentment, what peace, what pressure I have been under, what things I've had to put up with and endure, but I've learnt to trust God through them all. You see, this is what God offers you every day of your life, to be important in his eyes. Don't worry about the rest of the world. They may laugh at you. But if you get your priorities right, you get real purpose in your life, what a blessing you could be. And I guarantee you there's no one here who doesn't want to be blessed. We tend to think blessing is a big house and flash car and all that sort of stuff. No, God's saying, hey, your real blessing is knowing that I'm with you, that I'm giving you the peace, I'm giving you the help through the Holy Spirit, and you're a powerful person as a consequence. You see, 
I guess someone once told me, and I'll say this now in finishing, my encouragement would be today to start. Don't listen to this sermon today and say, oh, that's nice. Actually begin to put it into practice today, tomorrow, this week. Have the courage, like Esther, to look at the cost, but say God is greater. God gives me purpose. He gives me real purpose for living. And just carry on with your life. He'll speak to you. You'll know when it's his voice talking to you. And so be a people who are not only blessed, but are incredibly powerful because you're living under the authority of God and he's asking you to do some amazing things. And when these things happen, come and encourage your pastor and his wife by saying, hey, this happened this week. Give thanks. Be a people who learn and live the way that God wants you to live. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew and Lynn. God is speaking to us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Abram. Those of us who are at about the retiring age, we look back at your faithfulness. You are our legacy. We thank you for your faithfulness. You're not finished with us yet. Lord, we thank you for the examples of Peter, James, John, the disciples, the followers of Jesus. Young men started out. It was hard, but they believed the Savior. They failed. But they came back and they made a difference for centuries all the way up to our time. I want to thank you for the young fathers and mothers and families in this room making choices that those choices would be to follow Jesus Christ with their whole heart, with their lives, be willing to count the cost, to be different. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to all of us this morning. We commit our lives to you, all of us in this room. You have spoken to us. We thank you for your still, small voice in our hearts. Father, we just ask that this week, as you did with Andrew, pose your, your question. Bring your question to us. And we want to listen. And what you say, we will obey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.